And we're gonna go now. So. Awesome. It should have a little countdown out there, I think. Maybe you should you see it? Yeah. Cool. Boom. Awesome. Thanks, Milton. Really appreciate you making the time. Uh, wanted to do this in person, but hey, we've got to do it this way now. So thanks. At least, at least we get to do it. At least we get to do it. That's true. Um, Sick. So thank you so much because it's like I've I've been living in Copenhagen now. I've I've sort of enjoyed your handiwork for a while. <laughs> If, if we call it that, right? I appreciate that. <laughs> in yeah, in sure. sort of different uh, different establishments, so to speak. Um, but I was uh, I think I was talking to Matt Orlando after our, the podcast. I had I had him on alone last year uh, when I first started the podcast, and 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 he was saying, "Hey, you should have Milton on for sure. You know, he's he's a super cool guy." I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I'm trying to get him on. I'm, I'm trying to get him on for a while." <laughs> this he's, guy's ghosting me. <laughs> exactly. He's busy. I'm busy. I don't know what's up. Like no, you should try to get him on. He's he's a cool guy. I'm like yeah, I'm, I know. <laughs> that seems like it. So so I'm happy we made it happen. Um, but this is this is always interesting because you've done a few sort of you know talks with people from the food industry a lot. So I think uh, we can't not talk about your food history and where you've sort of been and where you are today. Yeah. And I, and I want to focus on that. But I think before that, I want to start talking with. With, you have a long history in well, your family has a history in jazz, right? Yeah, yeah, big, yeah, big time. My dad was a, my dad is a Kansas City Jazz Hall of Famer and an yeah. elder statesman of Kansas City Jazz, and uh, yeah, you know, played with a lot of the greats, or the greats played with him, or however you want to say it. And yeah, he's kind of a musician's musician. Yeah, what did so, uh, because what did he what did he play? What he was played bass, 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 string bass, and cool. his uh, best time was well, I think he lived kind of two lives. He started out with a piano and bass duo with a woman named uh, Betty Miller, who was his wife. Well, okay. They were um, a piano. They were the premier group of Kansas City jazz, and they also toured, uh, toured around and did stuff in Vegas and in uh, and in New York City. And um, they were like the they were just an amazing piano and bass duo, Betty and Milt. And which and which were, era is this in? Sort of. This is from the 50s to the 70s, late okay. 70s. Yeah. I can't remember what year they met. My dad was pretty old. Um, my dad was born in 1928. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. And okay. I was, and I wasn't born until 83. My, so. my, my father-in-law was born in 29. Yeah. 1929. Exactly. So they're yeah. kind of, I mean, they're having kids when they're like in their late 50s or something. Dude, or. He went, this, is, this is probably too much information. No, no, but let's go. He went, he went to have a vasectomy at 60. <laughs> and the doctors were like, because he just had my little sister. Yeah. And uh, oh, wow. They were, they were like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> like, well, I have a one year old. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we better get let's this Let's get done. this done. <laughs> oh, wow. He's like, I can't have any more. But, um, so he had a. They were married for 25 years. Betty and Milt. They're married for 25 years. You could feel the romance on the stage when you listen to their music. You can feel the romance. And uh, she died in 1977. And that's when. Yeah, that's. I think she like played right up until the day she died, or or wanted, or as best she could. Yeah. And then uh, that was like his first life. And then he had a second uh, with my mother, and they met in '79, and married in '80. And then he started a new career with the Mill Table Trio, and that was his thing until uh, he played up until he couldn't play anymore. Uh, you know, after you get so old, you just yeah. can't, you just couldn't play anymore, and that was it. That was his retirement. Yeah, and 
and uh, if you don't mind talking about it, just because it was brought up, I want I want to explore that a bit. Do you have how many siblings do you have? Are there is because you know, did he have kids before? You know, he didn't have any kids before. I was a total surprise. Oh wow! Uh, his first wife had a child from a previous marriage. Yeah, and then they never had any children together. Okay. So he just thought he couldn't have kids. Yeah. And then uh, my mom was 20 years younger than my dad. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah, 79, they met. 80, they were married. And 83, I was born. Wow. And my mom tells me that story. She says, uh, it was the classic, the super classic TV moment where she had the flu. And so she went to the doctor because she had the flu. And they were like, oh, Mrs. Abel, you have the flu. You do, yeah. And you, yeah, but also you're pregnant. <laughs> and my dad was brushing his teeth to go to work. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And he just like, you're pregnant. <laughs> you know, spit all over the mirror, you know. And just like, I, I got to go to work. I, I love you, but I got to go to work. And she goes to work. He goes to work. And, you know, because that's like 9 o'clock at night for a musician or 7 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just that classic, that classic story, you know. And wow. I don't know I don't know the story when they found out about my little sister. Yeah. But that must have been terror. I mean, I'm freaking 37 years old and I'm running around after a 3-year-old and, oh, and, tired, and tired as hell. Yeah. I cannot imagine being 65 and having a 10-year-old and a five-year-old, and uh, can you imagine? And it's, still, work, and I would be—I I can't even imagine. It's, it's insane. Like, yeah. It'd be crazy. So we—it was just—it uh, was just the best time. We had the best family life. I'm looking off in the distance because I'm like envisioning it. You know? Yeah. We just had the best time. We never had a babysitter. We always went to the gig. I used to fall asleep under the piano on wow. the bandstand. You know, Daddy used to—I uh, would take a guitar. And wrap that guitar in a baby blanket because my mom was my dad's biggest fan and his manager. So you know so that's she, that's she, that's super important, right? Like otherwise, uh, it would be very tough if if yeah, your mom wasn't supportive of that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or like you know, she fell in love with Betty and Milt originally, and they have a fantastic love story. That's like a totally a totally other thing. They have a fantastic love story, but they just but we just were like this unit. We just went everywhere together. And uh, I'd take the guitar. It had no strings on it. I'd stand it up on its end. And I was a little three-year-old, five-year-old, just stand back and, you know, pluck my imaginary strings. And Dad never, uh, he always encouraged me. So, you know, it wasn't like he'd say, no, no, this is my time. you got to be off the stage. And all the musicians, were, they were just all so tickled that my dad had a kid. Like, that was like the best thing in the world. So uh, for everybody in Kansas City, because he was beloved there as well. So, you know, um, so I'd just be up on the bandstand with him, just plucking behind him. And, you know, you always introduce the band before you go on break. You know, this is Tommy Ruskin on drums. This is Russ Long on piano, or Mike Ning on piano, and this is, uh, I'm Big Mill Table, and this is Little Mill Table, and we'll be right back. You know, it was that kind of encouragement. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had that, I've had that in me forever. Just the, the, just, you know, you're special, you can do what you want, you can do anything, you're yeah. not silly, pretend away, have a great time, enjoy yourself, live life, you know, just great lessons through example, uh, not just words. How how important is that? Because I mean, I, I I don't know because many people. I mean, because I, 
in in growing up in india and i didn't expect this conversation to go here already but or or ever <laughs> growing up in india right i think i think the there's not my parents luckily but the stereotypical family setup is that you know uh, mom and dad are hi- like mean sort of hierarchy like dad says mm-hmm. something head of the family you go do this uh no fucking around no bullshit like you got to go yeah. do the work you yeah. know and, and and it's sort of you know there's no kind of in general uh, there's many exceptions but the general rule is sort of you just you know kind of do the hard work and and, and there's no questions there and i think and I, and i feel like so many of my friends are were so creative you know were and had that work ethic because of this kind of upbringing but still we're so creative but we're not allowed to showcase that and i think and i think it's 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 great that you know you're it at least sounds like you know that you were given that space to kind of be be a crazy child and and discover what you know what you were made of so to speak it was like a it was it was do the hard work but put the hard work into into that artistry so you know do what dad says and all that that discipline was there do what mom says that discipline was really there. <laughs> no my house too my house too <laughs> it was really there yeah yeah but you know but it was also like just pour all that hard work into uh, whatever whatever you want to do you know um like like my mom when i was in uh we got i started piano lessons at five i played my first concert with my dad on the youth stage of the kansas city jazz we used to play together my dad and i i was gonna uh, ask that did that yeah. actually happen amazing yeah, oh yeah yeah wow. so we were a piano and bass duo from the time i was like seven until uh maybe 15 something like that 15 14 so, 15, so i mean because, I, there. so you still, you still play a little bit can you still yeah, sort of not, no I, I i'm not on the piano so much probably because i, I don't think i i'm I, I think it's like a language i think kind of yeah, yeah. but i'm actually i could get it back if i sat there I could still play bass, I think, just pluck away. I play piano and bass. I, oh, wow. I can, play piano. I can, I can read music. Oh, that's and, amazing. Um, so we played our first concert uh, in 93, 92, 93 at the Kansas City Jazz and Blues Festival on the youth stage. And uh, so, you know, it was just sick. Me and Dad, we played a couple tunes, and, you know, we used to play. We, we played around, especially for a while. And, you know, do you, then it became, when I was in fourth grade, it was like, my mom was like, oh, they're having auditions for the Christmas Carol. Uh, do you want to try out? And I was like, yeah, sure. She's like, she, this is like, old, you know, she read this in the paper, you know, when we were, she'd have all these papers and be sitting there while we're in the car going somewhere, something like that. She sees auditions for this and she's like, can we, uh, you want to go do this? And I'm like, she asked me and I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I auditioned. I was really young, way too young, way too young. Uh, it's third grade. And... Um, I didn't get the part, but she said, you know, I didn't even have a monologue. You're supposed to have a monologue, a one minute monologue. My mom knows I don't have that. She's the ultimate encourager. She just looks at me and says, um, just go in there and talk about yourself for one minute. And so that's what I did. And I had this timer, this little timer with me and I just hit one minute and I just, and that's my minute. And I, you know, talk about my little navel, blah, blah, and that's my minute. So I'm done. Click, you know, that sort of thing. Didn't get the part surprisingly and <laughs> and she then the next thing she says is well uh did you like that and do you want to take acting lessons acting classes uh, i'm like yeah that sounds good it was fun and then i started taking acting classes she found those start taking acting classes and um 
And then, you know, the next year I auditioned for the same thing, Christmas Carol, seasonal play at the Missouri Repertory Theater and got it. And then, the next, and then you know, start auditioning for more things. And then before you know it, I'm getting paid to be an actor. You know, uh, wow. my, sister's a, my sister's a professional dancer. Wow. She's been dancing since she was, I think, three years old, ballet. And now she uh, does African-American modern dance uh, for uh, Cleo Parker Robinson, wow. which is in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's, she's, uh, it's, she's like a legend in dance and Amazing. in modern dance. You know, and uh, she's had that company for over 50 years. She's a Denver native. She moved there. She's danced with all the greats. And once again, I will say all the greats have danced with her. Uh, and, you know, that's what my, my sister's. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she's, you know, but she's. She's younger than you, know, you so. <laughs> she's younger than me, and she's a professional dancer. And Amazing. that's what she does full time, you know. And so I think that that's just how I kind of became started cooking, too, was because it just always to draw it all together is we've always been told to do what we love, put that hard work into what you love doing and, you know, and just turn that into a profession. So, you know, all that encouragement just, and there was no, like, and there was no wow. judgment sort of that you kind of left the, the arts, so to speak, uh, to go in a different direction or maybe, maybe silent judgment, hmm. maybe, but never, never said to my, that's face, great. Ever, you know, and I think uh, that's important as well. It's an important lesson. Yeah. Right, because I think my mom, yeah, exactly. She could think how she wants to think. You know, my dad was gone uh, after I, he died my first year at the French Laundry, so uh, yeah. when I was twenty-one. So, but he's pretty, you know, he's pretty old, seventy-seven. So it was, it was, uh, he had a great, great run, and you know, I just maybe there was silent judgment from her, but she never ever said anything to me about it. Maybe she doubted. You know, what are you doing? What is this? What is that? But you know, once I turned it into the French Laundry. Yeah. I mean, you got to know that's the big time. That's the big top. So you got to respect what somebody's doing. It's not like I'm, you know, just do, you know, just kind of floating by and yeah. or staying at the same level. It doesn't matter where, no, doesn't matter where you cook as long as you progress and, you know, yeah. or if that's important to you. And I think, and, um, but so if, if, if we, if we go back a second, right. So you said that you were, you kind of were going very much in the direction of the arts, right? Like you, oh, yeah. yeah, sort of was, you were, I mean, you've been performing on stage at some of the best stages in the world since you were seven. Um, uh, and, then you know. I, and then I quit, I quit college to go back because I was getting offered roles and going to school to learn how to do acting, but I was missing out on roles and I couldn't afford college. And, you know, and so I was just like, I'm, I'm out. I'm just going to go back to so, the city and do what I was doing. And I was making money doing that, paying my rent, just doing theater and acting. And so where did... Commercials, stuff like that. So where did where did... Uh, where did it change? How did how did it go from being a paid actor and sort of I being met, yeah being in that line and then changing? I met someone. <laughs> I met a I met this. Uh, I'm never I never type of guy who just kind of sits at home. No. So I was had always had a side I have a side gig. So I really enjoyed during college. I worked at a cool restaurant. Um, it was like an Applebee's like sort of like that, but like smaller, it's called the Heidelberg. It was right off of campus in Columbia, Missouri. And, uh, in, uh, where, where'd you go to school? University of Missouri. And, um, I liked it. It was cool. It was burgers, fries, wings, you know, beer, this and that. I was drinking beer by, I was drinking beer by 19 and, you know, have just, it was a great time. The people were cool. It was just a great family. It was a lot of fun. You know, we all partied together, had a great time. It was just really cool. I liked that restaurant vibe. It was neat. So I said, okay, I could do this for a side gig. 
So when I went back to Kansas City, I started working at, uh, if my Kansas City people are listening here, I went to work at Winstead's, and then my, which is like a 50s burger, like, dine, like, establishment, yeah, you know, cool. yeah, exactly, like, five o'clock world plan by the Dave Clark, you know, like, just a horrible jukebox that gets inside of your soul and destroys it and makes you hate all 50s music because it's all you listen to all day. <laughs> doing shakes and malts and did it also did it also look like the kind of 50s vibe oh, did they kind of man, make sure man. that you time seats, capsule kind sea of green sea green seats you know uh, wow. they had these uh this thing called a skyscraper that was a uh, a huge sunday glass enough for four people wow. you know yeah. stick four uh pre-covid times stick four straws in it and all eat, eat it together you know that sort of thing it yeah. just you know, really cool. It's just a just that old school style uh, place, and um, and then I was like, oh well, this is okay, this is fine. But there's a nice restaurant right behind this place called the Grand Street Cafe. I'll go there and see if. And I was like looking for something just a little bit more. And uh, the, I was dropping off re- uh, applications, not resumes, you know, and getting the classic "Don't call us, we'll call you" sort of thing. And then finally I got at Grand Street, I went to Grand Street Cafe and this, the host said, uh, here, let me see if there's a chef you can talk to. And I met this guy, Michael Magliano, and he changed my life, man. He uh, made me, he said, come for a stage tomorrow. And we started working together. He gave me a job. He inspired me about cooking. He showed me how much it could be. He showed me what the French laundry was. He took me to the American restaurant in Kansas City, which is like the which was like the fancy fine dining, yeah, top of the top in Kansas City at that time. Um, I think, and he took me there. I went. I followed him there. You know, the other restaurant. This is a little side. The other restaurant that I was working at offered me more money to stay with them. But I was standing with my mom in the kitchen, and I was like, I don't know what to do. But the American's a big time restaurant. I think. I think I'm going to go with Michael because I really think this guy is going to take me places, not knowing how, how high he really was going to take me. And then he went to the French Laundry, inspired me, showed me what it was, all these things. And I said, I'm going to get my skills up. And in a year, I'll be there behind you. And that's what that's what really so, changed meeting Michael. How, how does that work? Because as a non, as a fan of the industry, but not sort of someone who works in it, um, except for having a pop-up, which I'll never do again. But uh, <laughs> I want to hear that oh, story. I, I want to hear that story. Um, but how, how did, sorry, how does it work? Because I think cause you see these institutions, like you've sort of worked at the French Laundry, then you worked at Noma, you know, now you're at uh, Kong Hens, uh, and you sort of have taken, you sort of did some other things in bakery and came back in. And you sort of, if you look at your career as, a, as an aspiring chef or a cook, you're like, oh, this guy's been everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, and how, how does one get into the French Laundry or get into these kind of places, right? And, and, or how did you, how does that process work? You know, is it nose, nose down grind or is there something else in it as well, right? I think on a nose down grind for sure. And also you got to, I mean, the way I did it was pretty dirty. I mean, I, I figured out somebody's email and emailed them over and over and over again until they said, and I said, hey, because Michael was working there. So he didn't give it to me. I figured it out. And I was like, oh, and I was like, hey, I'm Milton Abel. I'm Michael's friend. <laughs> He's my mentor. 
I want to be out here. And I just described my passion and desire to be successful. And um, my, my passion and desire to be successful. And, you know, I told, I think in one of my emails, I wrote like, oh, I wish I still had these on my Yahoo mail account, which I'm sure is gone. I should have saved these. But it's like, uh, wrote, I'll sweep the floor. I'll work in the garden. I'll wash dishes. I don't care. I just want to be there. I just want to be a part of this. You know, so there's a certain part of giving yourself up to the cause, you know, and paying your dues. That's a big part of it too. Um, and that's important, I, right? I think I think a lot important. of I think a lot of people kind of forget that part, right? There's there's in every industry, no matter what you want to do, you gotta sort of start from the bottom. There's no other. Yeah. And, 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 and beyond a ritualistic, you got to pay your dues and this and that and the other, you got to draw on and, and make no money and, uh, you know, all those things and scrape and, you know, more than any of that, you got to experience, have all those experiences so you can, so you can make the proper decisions in the future, you know, when you're the leader. Uh, I mean, I think that if you start from the top and you have no real world, world experience uh, after your education, you know, I think uh, you, you need that lived experience. You need that. You need that to make those really right but, decisions. You got to be put in these situations before. But in your case, you were self-taught, right? You didn't go to culinary school. You yeah, sort no, of no, just no. started working, and then kept working, and then so. And I mean, now, you, how long were you at the French Laundry? How, how long were you there? Uh, I was there for four years, from '05 to '09. Yeah. And, and then I came back for two years as the head pastry chef, from. 12 to 14. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. I mean... It was fun, yeah, man. And I worked in Per Se in between there for three or so. The whole time I spent with Chef Keller was almost a decade. Like wow. Nine, nine and a half years. Almost 10 years. I mean, for for us sort of, you know, yeah, non, non-industry people, right? Like how... How was that experience, right? I mean, because I think you hear this this mythical man's name, and yeah. you've heard of this restaurant, and now the restaurant is having some not great name thrown at it because of some Californian governors saying that you know don't go out, and then they're going to the French Laundry and eating, and there's some yeah. nothing nothing to do with the restaurant is something to do no, with the politicians. No. Yeah. But but can you describe sort of what that place was when you were there, and what is it? What is the institution like today, right? Because you've heard it said many times but i'd love to hear your perspective being having worked there for so many years i think it's a i think it's a training ground for some of our some of our best future chefs you know um that place gave me i mean it gives you the imagine having working at a studio where you have every every tool at your hand you know what i mean every every great professional working there was Every professional working there was amazing. Yeah. And you know, so you're working and, with the best yeah. and you're surrounded by the best and And is it is it that is it that sort of critical mass of, of amazing people? Yeah. And the fact that you're sort of, you know, challenged such a high level, is that and is that the is that the reason? Only the strong survive. It makes the it you know, you're you're expected to perform every day. You know, we we once described it he Chef Keller once described it as uh, he gave me a book of quotes by John Wooden for my birthday one day and uh, one one year and um, you know you're playing on a championship team you know you're playing on a championship team and you're playing the championship game every single day you know because every guest is important they all have these super high expectations that you have to surpass 
you know, and coming into work every day with that sort of focus, you know, uh, it, it's a whole culture, you know, it's a whole culture. Like you have your core values that you operate by. These are clearly stated uh, in the, like, it's not just an employee handbook. It's like, if you really take it on, it's who you become, you know, and, and intensity, focus, commitment are like the three words you use to, to drive you through every single day. You're operating with the highest integrity, integrity uh, at all times. You're uh, with the, the products you do, but also with use uh, like tr how you treat them, but also how you treat, uh, you know, each other. And it's a really competitive in a positive way, competitive environment at, at my during my time there i mean but how does that work because you're i mean i think and i really want to double click on this aspect of it because i think yeah. i think you started uh, i don't know what your first job there was but you became the the head of pastry or what, what is the title yeah. sorry excuse yeah, me head, head pastry chef no, you're yeah. Right. You're right. um so and you sort of had the entire transition right and and sort yeah. of i really want to what i want to why i want to figure this out is because i think so many times we see these titles, right? Like sous yeah. chef, uh, head of this station, blah, blah, blah. It's like yep. we get it, but what is the work really entail? And how does that change from being the washer, the dishwasher all the way to, you know, the chef who just walks around? You know, I, I, I don't know. So maybe I'm uh, trivializing it, but could you talk a bit about the sort of the different roles you had there and yeah. what did that entail? Well, I was uh, when I first started, I was the commie, so which is like the very like the lowest on the ring, like you know the 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 beginning, the prep chef. You know, I didn't send anything out to anybody. So you got to cut all cut stuff up and yeah, do all you know. I made macaroons, I made all the big cakes, I made all the ice creams, I, I did I did all those things, and then um, I transitioned into the demi chef partie. So where I'm, uh, I'm not quite a line cook, you know, chef de partie is like a line cook. I'm not quite a line cook. I'm always working with the senior person and they kind of, they don't approve everything I send out, but they take a look at everything I send out. You know, I don't know everything, so I'm learning. And then I progress to the chef de partie. Then I'm the person who kind of is running the service at night, you know, because in pastry, yeah. you know, main work happens during the day and in the morning, you know, you make all the chocolates in the morning, you make all the cookies in the morning, you make all the cakes in the morning, you put everything together, you cut every, you know, and then the chef de partie is really just kind of cut things and assemble and plate and this, you know, uh, but when, when I was a chef de partie, we used to write a menu every day just for our special guests who came all the time. You know, the French line is a really special restaurant where the menu changes every day. Uh, pastry changes every day. day. The savory menu changes every single day. Wow. Uh, the pastry menu changes. Well, when I was there, it changed kind of seasonally or just as new products came. Or you That's know, amazing. And, and then we had a menu for our friends, people who come a lot, investors, you know. Sure. Um, because everyone's a VIP, you know, so you don't want to call it that. It's just like, you know, it's just like your friends, the people you know. Who, yeah who come all the time, you got to bust it out. It's like having your best friends over to dinner. You sure. got to you bust out the sick stuff. And um, I'm really trying not to curse. I'm, I'm, I know you, but the, the, you can curse. <laughs> the worst. Not, no, no, but man, my mom's going to listen to this. I <laughs> okay, then I'll... I'll, I'll <laughs> I, I remember when I told I remember the first episode I cursed quite a bit and told my parents please don't listen to it I cursed a lot and my my dad's like you gotta do what you gotta do I was like okay <laughs> make, make it cool, baby. Make it cool. 
None of a god. So then, but for, for the friends rest, so for the friends menus, we'd write that every day. So then when I was a chef de partie, we would sit down with Corey Lee, who was the chef de cuisine at the time. We'd sit down at like, when we all walked in, we walked in at like 11, 11.30, noon, you know, somewhere around there. And then about one o'clock, he's calling you over and you should have like this special menu written of three extra courses for somebody. And oh man, we're just like, pulling it you know pulling it out like dreaming of a dish as we sit there you know so i think the reason why this restaurant's so special is because you know my guy michael was a head chef executive sous chef you know a, a major guy in kansas city yeah but he comes to the french laundry to be chef keller's chef de cuisine or a uh, uh chef de partie you know just a line cook yeah and you had tons of people like that. Every single one of these line cooks was could have gone and run their own restaurant. Easy, yeah. And in a, in essence, their section is their restaurant. Wow. You know, they're they're writing their own dishes. They have ownership of it. You sit around at the end of the night. You write a dish that you want to do. You know what I mean? That the chef you know agrees that we all collaborate on techniques. We all collaborate on. You're going out to the garden. Your garden. You know, you're going out to the garden, you're pick, you're seeing this stuff, you're looking over the farm list, you're seeing this is, we got this much of this, this much of this, this much of this. Okay, I'll do, I want to do, you know, compromising with other people, taking some ingredients, giving some ingredients, because no ingredient can repeat twice. You know, it's just, it, in every way, it is the highest echelon of, of running a restaurant in my way. You have ownership, uh, you have to perform every day, you know, like, uh, and 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 even what you just said there, the head chef just walking around, that never happened. Corey was there as a chef de cuisine, you know, carving the fish. Amazing. Every, you know, carving the fish, but, you know, butchering. The, the sous chefs are butchering, uh, helping the butcher, butchering the meat. They're doing all techniques with everyone, kind of, you know, because they have that repertoire in, and, inside of them. Everybody's doing, you know, everybody's working hard. The dishwashers, the dishwashers are handling something you could a person you could just if you were an asshole could just throw away you know somebody who just doesn't you know they're just a worker they're just whatever you know juan venegas this guy used to and all, all these guys they used to like polish all of the copper every week and imagine a breezeway that's like 20 yards long with a like almost the same size counter just piled with silver and copper that these guys are all hand polishing everything or one guy uh uh israel he was like the fine glass washer so stuff you can't put in the dishwasher you know these fine pieces that cost more than me are just he's like polishing every single one of those and washing everything single one of those you know you got these guys who are uh, aquatic technicians you know wow. wa washing aquatic te technicians who just I, you gotta, you gotta give, you put, throw some respect on their name. These guys are just—it's—they're the reason why we can have nice things. Yeah. And it's from the bottom to the top that it's like there is no bottom to the top. It's everything is the top there. Yeah. You know, the yeah. gardeners are taking care of everything. Uh, you know, all your your vegetables and your dishes, picking everything the way you ask them to pick it. You know, or or if you're asking for something that they can't do, that's you know, it's just everybody has the highest uh, is operating at the highest level. So when you're surrounded like by that, your job is very hard, but at the same time, it's very easy because you can always count on the person next to you to be to be working as hard as you are. And you're trying to impress each other in a positive way. This is a workshop atmosphere. Oh, check this dish out I'm doing. 
oh, check this dish out. It, you know, oh, is that what you're, you know, what can we do here? You know, and, and then also the team's so small. I mean, we were 11 chef de parties on at a time. Uh, so we had two crews, um, um, cause we were open seven days a week. So you had, you had two crews there who worked five days a piece and always had two days off in a row and you became a family with those people. Uh, you know, you, you're in Yountville, California. Nobody's from there. You know, nobody's from there. We spent Thanksgivings together. We spent Christmases together. We spent, you know, all the holidays together, spent our birthdays together, our tough times, our great times, our, our, our wins, our losses all together. You got the commies who are on their same team. They're all doing, you know, they have that same schedule. They become a family. The whole restaurant's a family. The, you know, it's just like this intimate little pocket of people who only are the only people who understand each other, you know, yeah. that's how you like to feel. You know? Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's definitely something to that, right? Because I, I can relate definitely sort of to a certain extent when you're, when you're building a startup or a company of any kind, you know, you're alone when you start <laughs> and, and, you know, you want to, you want to get the crew together and then you sort of, you go through hell and high water and you kind of, yeah. hopefully if you're successful to some degree, you've kind of have been through a lot together. So if you see each other ever in your life, yeah. there's this sort of deep camaraderie or brotherhood yeah. or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, with, with the people you've kind of been through a lot of struggle with uh, and also done your, done the best you could do in your life at that moment right there's not there's not a lot of places that kind of get that out of you if you don't want to do it yourself so i think it's it's what's what's fun to, when you when you were talking the thought came into my mind where I, I was saying that you know why why did you leave that because it sounds like that was like <laughs> you know i mean in the u.s i can imagine there's not a better place to be and i'm sure there are great places all over the place but you know, the, the, the highest standard was there. What came after that? And, and why did you make the move? We got some, uh, well, I wanted to be a manager. Mm. You know, I wanted to be the head sous chef. I, want, I wanted to be the sous chef in pastry. I wanted to be the head chef eventually because, you know, it's just the natural progression of things, you know, and I wanted to, and it also builds you up. You know, you're like, you're, you're, you're this place is at the same time as they say, you know, it was one of the, I mean, I'm romanticizing this place. And that's what I remember. But there were a lot of hard times too. There was so much hard work. There was so much hard work. There was so much uh, stress. There's so, but it was all, you know, that's work. That's life. That's when you, if you want to operate like this, you know, if you, if you want to win the game, sometimes you got to take the big shot, right? So, you know, it's sometimes that ball is going to come into your hands and you just got to. And also if you want to, if you want to be in that game, right? Like that's the yeah, game you're exactly. playing in. Yeah, yeah, yeah then it's, uh, you got to be ready for it to come to you. And it's really stressful. Be, you know, it's, um, there's, there's a ton, it's, it, it goes both ways, yeah. you know, but all, all I remember is the, but what sticks with me is the great. And, you know, I needed to see something else. Yeah, I, I can no imagine. School training. I had no culinary school training and I needed to go and see something else. And, you know, Matt Orlando, we were working together at Per Se, and he was leaving to go to Noma, and I'm like, what is this place, and what are you doing, and this and that. And I like Matt, but we work on the same crew at Per Se, so we really didn't hang out that much. And New York City, you know, I don't think I hung out with – Per Se was much different. I don't think I really hung out with many people from the restaurant just because you're all so geographically spread at that time. You know what I mean? Some people living in 
uh, over here, over Astoria and, you know, and uh, Williamsburg. And so I, I just, I didn't know Matt very well. I knew him, I knew him well, but not personally. We weren't great, 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 great friends yet. And he was going out there and I was just like, well, man, I was like, you know, you know me. And if you need somebody in pastry, you need somebody you can count on. I'm, I want to, I want to come. And he said, yeah, when you're ready to come, hit me up. And so I just did it. You know, after I had been at Per Se for almost three and a half years, I didn't get the sous chef job that mm. I wanted, that I applied for. Somebody else got it. And I could understand that I needed to go away and I would be a better chef by going away and then coming back. I'm also the kind of guy like you can, I, I hope you can tell is like, I'm very friendly with people. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, I think the mentality back then was it's really hard to manage your friends. So everyone I would have been managing at that time was my friends. Yeah. And um, I needed to go away and have things change behind the scenes at, at wherever I ended up. And then me go there and come back. With so the plan friends. was to kind of go away well, to Noma for, and, and get some experience at this awesome and restaurant come and come back. Okay. I told Chef Keller, we sat down at Per Se uh, in the salon a few days before my last day, like the last time he was in town before my last day. And I just sat him down and told him what I wanted. I said, I want, I want this. I want to be the head pastry chef of French Laundry. I want to go back there. When the opening comes, I would really appreciate it if you would look to me at least to try, at least to audition, at least to try out. And he did. And and you know, th there was always that was always there. That was always on the table. And uh, so I just went away and went to Noma and just try to gain some experience. And and how was how was Noma like then? Which years were you in Noma? 11 and 12 11 and 12 so so you came into the pa you came into pastry at noma yeah that's all what i've always done since I yeah. was 20 yeah, yeah always from that and um i did the savory side from 19 to 21 and then just switched yeah, yeah focus yeah. once i went to because french laundry's position was open in pastry and that's what i had the most experience on in my resume so it, yeah. was, it just worked out great and noma was sick it was totally different because 11 11 12 were they already number one then or in yeah, the world they had just got it they just yeah. got it and we were whole and we held on to it that year and then i think we started sliding after that one to four one to two two to four something like that but who are people to judge us i don't give a damn yeah um, the the <laughs> ranking the rankings are good for are good for marketing but <laughs> yeah man well i admit they're good for my resume too yeah, that's what, true that's I true <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some of that rank money. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I just, uh, it was sick. It was fun. It was totally different. You know, I showed up there. The cab driver totally ripped me off. Uh, drove me around the city for a while. And I didn't realize I could have, I spent 500 kronos. Oh, like damn. And now, now you're like a proper I'm local. Like, dude, I was like, dude, I could have spent 25 krona on a, on a subway ticket right to the, yes. Oh, so bad. Anyway, so I got there, and uh, man, they were so cool to me. I lived on the Nordic Food Lab for the first couple months, uh, which was a houseboat out in front. Noma's changed so much now, but in its original location, which is where Bar yeah. is now, yeah. um, which is it's it, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it's just it was right right on the harbor in Copenhagen, and I lived in the houseboat right outside. Like I walked like a, a minute into work. They were totally cool. They set me up there so I could start off right. Um, it's a small, intimate crew. I'd never experienced working such long days because uh, we did lunch and dinner. 
uh, and in French Laundry, we never did two services. You always did. Well, I did for a while, but it, not the normal. And it's uh, you never work lunch and dinner. You know, you only work dinner or you only work lunch, one of the two. And uh, can you hear that? A little bit. Sorry. Okay, sorry. Um, and it was just a totally different style of cuisine. You know, putting herbs on plates, putting flowers on plates, using, you know, I don't, I don't think I touched a gram of sugar for like the first like six months I was there. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, what is, what is sheep's milk yogurt? <laughs> and why am I reducing carrot juice to make uh, something out of, you know, it's a dessert? Like, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm making a carrot. Hold on, carrot mousse? What is this pine tree doing here in the kitchen? <laughs> I do not understand what's going on. Are you guys frying leaves? Are you frying leaves? Why are we pickling this? You know, what is a, what I, uh, uh, acid? Why I have lemon juice. What is apple vinegar? You know, it's just everything. I think totally, I've, that's really, you just said something really interesting. How, I mean, you came from sort of traditional kind of, you know, cooking, high, high level French style, I guess, yeah. um, based on all the French words that were being used earlier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and, and sort of, is, is there like a, head pastry chef helping you sort yeah, of yeah, teach you right. all this just because it's just a very interesting it's like okay new ingredients whole new language go figure it out how does that work i never made bread before in my life and we were because we were make because i worked in a restaurant a bakery sure. makes bread okay yeah, i'm sorry it's surprising to me because i you're one of the best bakers right now oh wait a minute perfect like okay let me get somebody else who knows how to do this and has the right facilities to do this. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's what Chef Keller's like. You know, yeah. okay, I want good bread. I'm going to buy it from this person. And then after I get enough money and I don't want to buy it from this person anymore and I want to have more control because I'm a chef and I'm a control freak, I'm going to open my own bakery and get exactly what I want. You know what I mean? I, that's that's yeah. just the mentality, you know. But meanwhile, I'm upstairs making sourdough bread in a convection oven uh, on a table that's the size of my kitchen table, maybe a little bit smaller, in the midst of a hundred other, thirty other people upstairs. I won't exaggerate. Thirty other people upstairs doing. You know, it's just like what? What am I doing? I've never done this before. Or I'm. I, I made a sauce of sorrel with apple. It, it was just a. To, it was totally. I was totally lost, man. I mean, hey, I mean, I went from serving white truffles to what horses eat. You know, yeah. in my, you know, just to be a real jerk and put it yeah. in like how my mind was, you know what I mean? But these ingredients were fantastic. I mean, what a way to use these things. Uh, what a, I mean, what a, reading the book uh, with time and place and establishing that connection and that way of cooking and a way of creating dishes. First of all, it helped me really open up my creativity and how things can go together and why they should be together and what should be together. And See, it improved my seasonality tenfold because working in California, it's just oh, everything all the time, baby. It's California, and it's awesome. And, you know, and, uh, and also just really recognizing when things don't taste good. You know, when a strawberry's not good, okay, we're not going to do it. You know, I remember Chef Rene would eat blueberries every single day to see if we could do the blueberry and pine dessert just because he was waiting for the blueberries to be amazing. He'd be like, get a couple of pints of blueberries and see if these are going to be good at all. You know, and then we'd get them in and they weren't good. And he's like, okay, we're not going to. Over and over, you know, that stuff happened all, all the, that stuff happened all the time. It, it, and we had Rocio Sanchez. She was the head pastry chef. She, um, 
worked so hard. She developed all the dishes. And she's down there in service with us, you know, and and running this uh, is a really tense environment. It was it was a really tense environment. It was super, um, you know, everything just perfection was like demanded all the time. Attention to detail, just the same as French Laundry, but even just the same as French Laundry. And you know, you're operating on the super high level and but you know that there's no and you're serving all these crazy guests and all, all these this is the first time i'd ever heard of the 50 best voters and all, yeah. all all these things you know so there's a whole nother the new world open to me there and understanding how you play that game and and how that goes and and also just having such a huge team it was a huge team there stash airs it's just a totally different world and i, I just thank god that I just say, I just, I'm, I'm just so happy everybody spoke English. Because it's <laughs> like, oh man, if we're speaking a different language on it, you know, because that's a big thing too. You know, sure. if I go to France, sure, I could understand French, right? Not really, but I, if I could, uh, that's fine. But when you get, when the, when it hits the fan and somebody's screaming at you, you know, I'm yeah. going to stop understanding everything, you know, or so I, I was just really thankful everybody spoke English. And I just let those, this is what I'm saying, man. You got to come from the bottom to the top because all those hard experiences that I had had previously, and also all the like stuff that built me up that I could do anything, confidence in myself that I was good enough. You know, no matter how many rough experiences I had at the beginning on the learning curve, I never felt defeated. No, I never felt like I wasn't good enough. I never felt like I couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's from, of course, from the restaurants that I've worked at before, but more importantly, it's from mom and dad. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, it, that's everything, right, at the end of the day, because I think you are going to, no matter what you do, especially if you're sort of pushing the boundary and trying new things and trying to be, quote unquote, at the best in that game, whatever game you're playing, you are going to fail, you're going to hit the, you're going to fall. Yeah. You just have to learn how to get up and make sure you don't lose that confidence, right? And I think that's, no matter what you do, that's super important. When um, you're working with the best and you're surrounded by the best, it's really hard to remember how great you are. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a that's a that's a, something that I try to remember. And yeah. whenever I have a rough experience now as a head chef yeah. with one of my chef de parties, I try to help them remember. Yeah. This is just right now. It's not the end of the world. You know, this is this is what it is. You're still really great. We just got to move forward. We do this or, you know, however it goes. It's just, yeah. You can't take people's confidence away from them. You got to build them up. Yeah. You, you got to build them up, which I think is something that was lacking in our industry before. Yeah, that supports a supportive kind of a system, right? Yeah, man, you can't destroy people. I mean, it's like, I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen people and then just putting their whole worth in what they do. And, and I put my whole worth in what I do. Mm. And, yeah. you know, and then when that's taken away from you or you don't feel good enough or you, you get, you just, I just imagine you feel destroyed and no. I'm just never going to let that happen to me and I'm never going to do that to anybody else. Yeah. So it feels like there was another left turn that's coming after Noma, right? Because when I, when I, when I sort of first heard of you or, or saw you, it, it was at uh, Anderson and Maillard, I think that's how you pronounce it, but at this, at this bakery, so how how did you sort of leave the fine dining world and go go work at a bakery? Did that happen? Yeah, I went. I went. Uh, what did I do? Noma back to French Laundry. Oh, you went back. Okay. Back to French Laundry. Yeah, that's why I went back as a head chef. Oh, you went back. So, okay. You know, got, yeah, so I got my experience in Europe, 
saw new things, and then they called me, and they asked me to, uh, French Laundry called me and offered me the position, uh, or offered me the ability to apply. Trial for the position, yeah, exactly, for, for, uh, head chef. Head pastry chef, yeah. And I, and, uh, I needed, and so I said, yeah, I can do, I'd love to, you know, and I wanted, I got the job, but I said, I can't start for six months because I got to fulfill my commitment here. And inside of that six months, I met um, my future wife. Uh, my, she's my girl. I met her like two months after uh, I accepted, signed the contracts and everything, you know, so there's no, it's over. The blood has been, blood has been, you know, signed and, you know, I'm not going to get it. I'm, there's no way I'm getting it, uh, getting out of this. And I didn't want to either. But I met this fantastic woman and we just had a great, you know, great time. I just thought, oh, we'll just have a fun six months together before I leave. This will be my European romance. And, you know, we'll just, that's it. We'll just play it by ear. So easy. And then, man, like three or four months in, two, three months in, I'm like falling in love with this woman. And uh, it was just, it was just crazy. So then we, I finally told her the truth that I was leaving. And <laughs> after a couple months, and uh, I can't even remember how it went anymore. And she's in computer science, so we just said that we were gonna, we could do it. You know, we'll do this long distance. We'll be cool. You know, FaceTime saved our relationship. She was writing her PhD thesis, so she could just fly back and forth. It didn't matter. Her office was where her computer was. She made enormous sacrifices coming back every three, four months. You know, to visit me and spend a, a bunch of weeks with me. And then uh, we wanted to get married and thought about having children and stuff like that. And I just knew that I couldn't do that in Yonville. Hmm. You know, I can't move this woman who's grown up in Denmark and she can't move to a town of 2,500 people, you know, 5,000 if you include the oldest, the largest <laughs> veteran home in America, you know, and she never, she doesn't have a driver's license. You know, she doesn't, you know, we're not biking here, baby. We're driving a car down the 80, you know, <laughs> down, the, down, the, down highway 29, you know, it's like, you know, it's just, she would have been too isolated. So I said, let's, and Chef Keller was closing the restaurant to do the remodel at that time, the huge remodel by Snowheda, you know, how they just tore the French laundry down and, and made it. Was it 12, 12 or 13? Uh, 13, 14, 14. It was when I left. It was right when I left. Okay. So like 14. Part of the remodel just after. Yeah. 14, 15. And, um, And uh, we moved back here. I worked at a mass for a couple years uh, because Matt's awesome. And I love working, you know, Matt Orlando, head chef. He's, and, he's, uh, he's uh, so sick. amazing guy. Yeah. I started a year after they opened. So I didn't have to go through any of the growing pains with them. <laughs> I came to them at the perfect time. They had everything set up. They established their menu. They established their style. They said, you know, it's just great. It was great working for them there. And then Sarah got pregnant with Benji. And I real ben, ben, Benjamin, Benjamin, and how we pronounce it and uh a Danish way and i needed a different i couldn't be gone all day you know i couldn't be gone from 10 o'clock in the morning until midnight i had to i was gonna miss this whole kid's life and i think one of the most important parts of my growing up is that my dad and my mom were always there yeah so um so i said oh well let's try a bakery you know let's try something my friend approached me with this project and i said yeah well, let's do it let's try this out because the hours are great right because you work yeah, man, super early I'm up before they're awake and I'm asleep. I'm and I'm and uh, you know that was the well. Let's say in an ideal world, I was up before they were up and I was picking them up from school. Yeah. 
Or if we did something where I worked overnight, yeah. you know, then I drop them off at school. I sleep all day while they're at school. Sure. I wake up. We eat. I pick them up. We. So you're you're really up. sort of yeah, there. The planning, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was it. That was the one, you know. It's gonna make that plan go. Oh, I just ended up working all the time, so that didn't work out very well. <laughs> <laughs> it got very well. But yeah, so that's how the transition happened. It was just all about family. Yeah, know? yeah, I understand that I completely. Good work hours and be home when they're home. Yeah. So, so um, you were you were at Anderson and Miller, uh, my yard, uh, and then after that you. So funny that you do that because we were having t conversations it's... about what name we were going to it is the stupidest name in the world i mean i, I love the i love the i mean I, i don't know if if anyone from there is going to listen to this but change the damn name call it a&m call it something else it used to be i'm like a.m it's the morning that's it's the about... morning it's the morning and then and they're like they're like oh we gotta get something and i remember somebody saying yeah we just want something that rolls off the tongue really easily what the fuck whose tongue <laughs> So I was like, and so then every, and I'm like, every single Danish person here cannot, we need to do a survey. We need to do a survey. We go off the street, geet and milk on the street. I, I'm, and we I just, mean, just think about, say this name. And they'll be like, uh, Mallard. And I'm like, Mallard? Anderson and Mallard? They think we're a duck. Person. Anderson and Malik? What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. They're like, and a bunch of people were like, but your name's Milton. I'm like, guys, ah, I'm a name. It's not my name. It's about the Maillard reaction. And then I start talking about some French scientists. And then they're just like, and then nobody gives a damn. They're not listening. And the thing nobody is, like, you also don't have the context of the Maillard reaction. Because if it was, if it was sort of, you know, the, I don't know, if it, if it was that, if that was it, then it's fine. But like, Anderson. Nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows what that is. Yeah, but, and I think that's the point, right? Like, it's, it's, I think it's like, in in tech or in marketing as well this is a big problem people are like oh this is going to be a great name i'm like yeah for you and your ass but not for everybody yeah, else no, we can't say it i can't say it I, I'm just, and there's no context right so i think i think there's uh but i mean it was it, it's it's uh, it's a great place you were there for a while right you kind yeah, of I was there for a couple uh for a year or so and i really just started there con uh just to consult open the place yeah get it going get it established you know and just uh You know, it's just supposed to be like, you know, these are my friends as the investors, yeah. you know, so it's just really time to just go there, help them open their place, do something, see if I like the bakery. I mean, my first kitchen there was like 40 square meters. I, I don't even know how, I don't even yeah. know that it was so tiny in the back of that place. I had, when I opened up the sheeter, you know, the yeah. thing that you laminate the butter on, nobody could walk in the room. Yeah. It was that tiny, you know, and I bought one of the smallest ones I could buy. I had one table, one one table, one steel table, one sink, one hand washing sink, uh, a proofer that was as big as like a giant refrigerator, like a you know those standard refrigerators that you see in a restaurant. Yeah, that was my only proofer. Uh, I had one more refrigerator like that, a dishwasher, and a stand up oven, two two convection ovens. Yeah, and it was a fantastic time of trying to figure out how to. <laughs> stuff you know i mean it made me resilient uh made me able to produce as much as i could out of that spot man i was supposed to only make five loaves of bread and a hundred croissants a day that was like the idea oh but that that was definitely not what was happening because <laughs> i remember coming there and like all these crazy croissants and all these amazing pastries I was like oh, what's I, going on i really can't i don't really do things i didn't just kind of spirals out of control you know i wanted yeah. to oh let's do more let's do more let's do more I hired three people. Okay, now we have to make more money. You know, oh, yes. 
we open a new location. We opened the big bakery in Norhound. Yeah. So now they have a dedicated bakery and they have the bakery coffee shop. Yeah. The I think the one in Norhound is close to some, pastry. sorry, go on. No, that's it. That's it. The, the great pastry, great coffee. Yeah. That was the idea in one house. Cause you have so many places who do amazing coffee. You have so many basic places who do great bakery, but nobody who does both. No. And that's what we wanted to establish. We were like, I think, I think we were the first one in the city who did that. Yeah. Know, yeah. And it was, and I mean, you could level. you could notice it for sure because I'm a coffee nerd, right? And 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 oh, yeah. and like no nobody has like a Sineso machine in in Copenhagen. Like I, I've I've seen one, which is the coffee machine. The espresso machine is one of the best in the world, handmade in the U.S. It's super hard to get a hold of. And I was like, I walked in here. And I'm like, who the hell owns this place? It's like exactly. marble and you know beautiful yeah. and like Sineso, this amazing machine. And I think and I think kind of. Uh, being in the being in the coffee world, um, my my pop up was a coffee pop up. I had a coffee oh, yeah. pop up uh, in in Norbro for was it like ten weeks or something? Yeah, goddamn, <laughs> like, I get tired just thinking about it. I'm just like, oh god, that was tough. Yeah. It's I mean I have I I think I think I'm really happy I did that pop up because I have the level of respect for anyone running a cafe, anyone running a small food truck uh all the way up to sort of restaurateurs and not, uh, not restaurateurs who are the investors because they're great but they're good with money like the restaurant yeah. the chefs you know the people who are working every day the 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 actual staff i mean my respect is just through the roof right i, and I, I think, think yeah i think you got to have i mean they want to have military service so many places have like you know guarantee you know you in denmark you got to yeah. serve in the military you do the you go to the draft from like for a year right when you're 18 or you know and in Israel, you have to serve. Yeah, in the Singapore, military, right? many, many Singapore, places. Yeah. No, screw that. You all should be working at a restaurant for one year. Everyone should work for one year. It is if you work in the right restaurant, it's very much a military hierarchy. First of all, <laughs> it's a very, very much military. It's almost military discipline. Secondly, and thirdly, you get this respect for all your service industry people. People who work at the grocery store. People who work at this and that and the other. And you just understand what their jobs are like. And then maybe you will treat them a little bit nicer, or yeah. not be such a you know when you're having a bad day, not be so bad on them, hard on yeah. them. You know, I think it'd be a huge thing. And I mean, coming coming from India, right? The culture is very uh, very. Yeah, the service industry doesn't doesn't get the best respect, the, the amount of respect they deserve. Definitely in a country like India, right? And I think it's changing a lot more with some really good restaurants now. I'm gonna have Pratik on soon, hopefully. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, thanks to Matt again for for kind of um, putting that idea in my head. And and he's I he's a big deal, man. He's a big deal from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah Mask seems to be doing really cool. And I, mean, I haven't I've never eaten at any of his places, but um, I, I'm really looking forward to having him on the show and talking about sort Same. of what they're doing. And I think what's what's really fun for me, kind of the culinary scene in India that I've sort of seen expand. And I, what I love about the food world, especially fine dining or, or anyone who cares enough to make it better, right? You know, you can open up an ice cream shop serving vanilla ice cream and just do that at a world-class level. And that's good too. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing nothing wrong with any of it, right? And I think, no. I think what's really interesting is that the public in many of these places around the world, also I think social media is a part of it, is kind of now seeing these dishes be born and created and, and experiencing them sort of visually, right? And I think they're like, we want to have that. We want to have yeah. this awesome burger. We want to have this awesome <clears throat> awesome dish or this great coffee. And I think there's so much to be said for that. And I think it's really cool that in some funny way, Copenhagen's kind of become like a bit of a, you know, 
mecca for this right like there's so many interesting people doing stuff here and there there happens to also be a history of good 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 cuisine here like you can't say that for many of the european countries in the north at least uh in the south it changes a bit but yeah. i think it's i think it's really a special place for that reason so clearly you stuck around because of family and and everything like that right because and, uh, and but also i mean you went from Anderson, yeah, let's just say AM. You went from AM to yeah. <laughs> uh, we're calling it AM now. So you went from yeah. AM to uh, to Hart, right? You were working at Hart yeah, for a bit. Baker, yeah, yeah, you yeah, working yeah. Hart Bakery for a bit. Yeah, and uh, and that was good. And it's nice to be back with Renee. You know, yeah. he was, he was uh, you know he's involved there, and Nadine uh, involved there as well. So yeah. you know, nice to be back with them. But I just miss restaurants. Yeah, know? and and now you're now you're uh, are you. Uh, at Kong Hens already? Has that? Has that? Uh, I haven't worked a day there, but I am planning to work there. Yeah, know, when it I opens up, of course. Yeah. Find the contract. So, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go there, and I'm, uh, you know, the kids are old enough now. Yeah. You know, they're exactly. five and three, five and three, and you know, the Benji's getting ready to start school, and yeah, um, and the hours really work. Yeah, I think. And, uh, yeah. Uh, days of the week really work it's only open four days a week yeah. you know three days off every week so that's good i i you know uh, uh and um and what are you going to be doing there what is what is your amazing i can't wait i can't wait for it to open and and try to try to weasel my way into reservation asap oh, get you, we'll get you in there we'll get you in there baby i'm calling all those people, be- <laughs> call those favors. favors it only cost you a little bit yeah that's the, fine the, we'll do it Milton naval foundation no problem uh, i just like you know it's only 50 guests a night that's cool so that's really cool you know i'm very excited to be doing that and it's and it's an institution right like for for denmark yeah, it's, oh, it's Kong Hans is yeah it's in the oldest building in denmark i'm pretty sure it's i'm pretty sure it's their oldest star wow the longest star something something like that it's uh God, I gotta do some more research. Don't know am I listening? <laughs> and uh, and it's just you know a beautiful dining room in the basement of the oldest building in Copenhagen. And this is it's actually cool. It's my first time they're doing a they have a cart like a pastry cart, a dessert cart. Wow! So I've always done dishes. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, three dishes or you yeah, know, or seven for friends, you know, or something crazy, you know, and. This is a cart, so I got two spots for cakes. I've got, like, you know, on the cart, I've got a place for six glasses of like a little small thing. There's a burner to do to cook a la minute. There's seven or eight drawers, some that can hold hot things, some that can hold cold things. Wow! Uh, in this old wooden cart and um, our old style wooden cart, it's very, it's very beautiful, very exquisite, and uh, a, a burner to cook all the minute and a spot for like six ice creams, like to put in. And they'll do everything tableside. That's so cool. So if we open up with no restrictions here, I mean, the the new rules came out recently, right? Isn't it? Like, yeah. What are they? So what are they? So what are they, I what think, are they say? I think it's. I think. Let me just check on the Bowline app because I, I just I know Christian just put something in there and the activity just started again give you guys the right hot hot off the press uh i think it's 21 the 21st of april is when outdoor serving starts and and indoors is on the 6th um 6th of of june i think 6th of june okay yeah so we'll so and if we i think that i think if you do it i think it's like you need to have like a corona 
pass yeah. of some kind yeah. where you have like a, either a vaccine or a negative test. So, I mean, that's awesome. Great. Yeah, that's great. Let's get um, going. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. We got to wake back up. And uh, if, if we have no restrictions, then we'll just pull because, you know, they could still say, well, you can't do table side service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, uh, maybe or something like that. But if they don't, we're going to wheel this card up and serve it all from there. That's you know? cool. So it, cool. It's very cool. So it's even it being inside of a, a Michelin restaurant again, you know, it's going to be a totally new experience yeah. for me. I'm very yeah. excited about that and and the new challenge. And, and honestly, I'm super, man, I want, I, I want stars again. Yeah. You know, I want more stars. You, well, know, you want to get back into the game again. I want two stars. I want three stars. I want, you know, I want to, I just want to make an impact. You know, yeah. impact is a huge core value. You know, it's, uh, I, I hope I've had an impact on all the places I've worked before, you know, and let when I left them, you know, a positive impact. I hope I left them in a better way than when they started. And, you know, the same thing here. I just want to come in and make a difference. You know, I don't think there's, I'm super arrogant in a way, or not arrogant, confident in a way where I just say, I don't think there's many people with my skill set, especially in this nation and with my experience that I've had. Uh, and I just have to think that way in a positive way. You know what I mean? Not like nobody's as good as me, but like no, no. I'm great. And I'm great. And I want to bring that to this restaurant and make this restaurant even better uh, than it is already. I'm yeah. just uh, confident at the bit to get to do that. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, why why do it, right? If you don't want to progress, if you don't want to get better, if yeah. you don't want to sort if you of don't challenge. Want to make anybody else better. You want to pull them up the hill with you. No, exactly. So I think it's, it's I mean, I think there's this. Um, many countries around the world have this sort of tall poppy syndrome, right? Like sort of don't, don't, I think Denmark has Yentilo as their version of it. And I think, I think there's, there's, I, I, I'm very much from the school of sort of, you know, like I'm great and I'm going to go show it. But I've also learned how to respect and really value this sort of quiet confidence, right? It's like, you know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to sort of go do it. I don't have to talk about it every day of the week. No, exactly. I'm just going to let my work show it and let, let exactly my, my right. product show it. And I think I, I prefer that a lot more to sort of um, growing up in India where everybody knows the prime minister's son and everyone knows everyone. And, you know, and I, I was born in Delhi, which is known for being a very, um, yeah, it's like New York or any big city, right? Like street yeah. smarts, people are very, you know, kind of boasting their, their yeah, boasting all the time. And I think, and I think a kind of, um, that, gets, that, you, that rubs off, but I think kind of having also married a, married a Dane now, and living in Denmark for a couple of years, I love, I, I I really aspire and love that sort of you know, sort of quiet confidence. Like let's just go work, and yeah, yeah. when the time is right, I'll talk about it. Sure, if I need to, but more importantly, the work is going to be where the you know where you see it. And I think that's uh, I think it's exciting. So no man, I mean and I want I'm, other people to talk about it. Yeah, you know, if, if I I don't want to have to talk about it, I want other people to say you got to got to go see what Milt's doing. You got to oh, go man. see what Young Hands do. You got to see what, and not even you got to go see what Milt's doing. You got to go see what Milt's team is doing. Precisely. Because as I get better and better, it's like well, as I get as I get older and older and and uh, wiser and wiser or more stupid, uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, it's I take much more pride in having other teaching other people to do things yeah. and having them do it better than me eventually yeah. you know i mean i made this dessert where we did like this we did like a piece a piece of like plastic like acetate paper plastic and we put a uh, white chocolate down and we combed it you know so it made these like uh, i'm trying to do the camera so it made these like lines and then we took dark chocolate and we so we let that white chocolate settle a little bit and then we put the dark chocolate on top of it and we spread it real thin 
that we take that little piece and roll it into a tube, you know, uh, Christiania style, and put it in that tube. And then we fill that with chocolate mousse and olive oil and cake and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I showed this to my chef's parties, and I looked at my chocolatier and I was like, you have to make the tubes. <laughs> and uh, she was just like, uh, you know, she's like, what, so, what did she say to me? She's like, oh, and it's, you know, I, I made one, I made, I made one of these. And she's just, she said something to me. I can't remember what she said. And I said, don't worry. Uh, in, in a week, you'll be better at this than I am. You know, knowing that that was going to happen and hoping that that would yeah. happen, not having to come throw half her tubes away and say, oh, these aren't good enough. You're not doing just to like establish dominance over that chef partie. It was more, you know, don't yeah. worry. And, and, and I made one of these. Oh, that's how I presented it. I know this is ridiculous. I made one of these. I need you to make 30 every day, you know, like that sort of thing. And don't worry in a week, you'll be faster than I am, you yeah. know, and, and that's, that's how it goes. And that's just what I want with all my chefs, you know, Come how big is, does. how big is your team? Uh, how, how big will it be in uh, to start? Only two, only two people, me okay. and another person. Yeah. So it actually be really small. It's only 50 people. So yeah, yeah. So it's, it's manageable. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see because I'm just an idiot and I want to, well, I, I, I want to think of a better word than that. I am naively optimistic. Or... So I'm going to want to do <laughs> five different types of chocolates. Oh, and, you know what I mean? Five different types of chocolates and fresh, fresh bake this and fresh bake that and this and blah, blah, blah. And, the, the, and six ice creams and two, uh, and two cakes and, and we could do. So it's going to take a lot of planning. You know, the kitchen there is not, <clears throat> it's not a pastry kitchen. You know, we got, so it's going to, and I have worked in a restaurant for, but since I haven't worked in a restaurant a long time, I can't even remember. I can't remember 2016, yeah, maybe 16, 17, so, right? You know, yeah. so it's almost five years out of the game. I'm going to have to learn to work with other people in a place where everything is going on, where there's stocks going, where there's this happening, where's that. I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, you, you got to give me a, a month. Yeah, give I'll come. I'll come. I'll come a month after. <laughs> all my friends. All my friends. I'm not saying the first month is not going to be good, but it's not going to be the best. You know, you're going to be warmed up to, in a month. Uh, I'm going to have to pull out some safe stuff, some stuff I know works. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm going to have to pull that out because it's just going to be a challenge. You know, I'm going to try to. I'm of course going to try to do everything and probably accomplish nothing. So I got to be. I'm really going to be relying on my team to yeah. help me know what's going to work and what's not going to work. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see it happen. I think it's it's going to be really fun. Um, me too. You know, sort of. And I think what's really nice is kind of like before I used to go to restaurants in Copenhagen. And I didn't know anybody. And yeah. now I kind of like know a few people. And it's yeah. it's a, it's a very special connection to go to Amas now and I know Matt a little bit and I know you know that it's kind of like a, fr a, a friend to a certain extent at least cooking for you there's a yeah, whole absolutely. different level of sort of uh, connection there right? and the same thing goes with like any other, any other other places I go to and I think there's like there's this connection where it's like yeah I I, I want to go to a place to experience something special and if I happen to know the person a little bit it just makes it even more of an attraction that I can't wait to go. And I think it's just, uh, Copenhagen's got so many great places and I think it's going to be really nice that you're going to be a Kong Hens. Um, I wanted to start wrapping this up in a slightly unorthodox direction because I think okay. you, over the years, you've created some pretty special desserts, right? Uh, either in a bakery format or 
or in a very fancy restaurant, right? I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. And I mean, I think uh, well, it's just the proof is in the pudding. You wouldn't be around <laughs> if, if you weren't if you weren't doing these things, right? I mean, and 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 is there is there because I, I, do some stand out to you sort of in the bakery time recently? Because I think may, maybe many more people have experienced those dishes or those. I don't know what do they call creations or dishes or whatever that you made um, either either a pastry or or you know because I remember I remember seeing a when I go to Heart all the time I live close to it so I usually if there's not a long line I, I'll wait and I'll go in um, but there's always a fucking line so <laughs> it's a little annoying um, damn Corona and popularity yeah you know? exactly but <laughs> but, I, but I sort of try to go in the afternoons when the line's a little bit less anyway yeah, but nothing's good. nothing's left unfortunately don't, don't say too much don't say too much because then you'll lose that little window that's true exactly yeah. I'm a text, text Karishma hey can you just like get it out of the back window <laughs> yeah, can you keep this aside for me um, I need that fix, man. I need that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need I need, I need that pulse horn right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think what was really interesting to me was like, I think, I think at least I, because I, I didn't, I knew you were involved at Anderson and you could sort of see, you know, there's some pretty interesting things you were doing there. But, and there was always a lot of stuff happening. But for me, because it was kind of more, more, I was, I was at heart a lot more. Yeah. And, I could just see that there was there was something changing, <laughs> like oh, there were good. new things showing up, and I was like, uh, "This wasn't around." Oh, like this cheesecake, and like, where did this come from? And oh, that was Talia. She made that cheesecake. The current head chef there is uh, yeah. Talia uh, Richard Carbajal. Oh, she's Man, she is sick, dude. She is sick. She was changing stuff in the beginning when I got there. Yeah. And then we just work together like and you could and you could see it right like because i mean cheesecake was an example of something that just stood out and and there's like so many of the pastries that were like really just i was like okay what's happening here (laughs) this is like a bread place but suddenly it has like all these amazing things popping and i think it was it was you could see it happening right away so uh, is there is there something that sort of stood out to you in and it's i know it's a really weird question but like to sort of name name some of the pastries that you worked on that was kind of special to you for whatever reason well, i really liked uh the queen of mon that i made at anderson my was like my baby yeah you know i don't think they make them anymore but that was a big one you know trying to get that to work here there's you know trying to come up with that signature pastry that no. nobody nobody else was doing queen of mon at that time so um and we did it in a different way you know we we tested it tested it tested it tested it um my head baker at the time at Anderson Yard, Asger Hansen, he tested the hell out of that thing. And, you know, my aunt, my, she's my aunt? <laughs> she's my cousin. Well, dude, I mean, on my dad's yeah, side. Yeah, I get it, I get it. It's like, I, I was an uncle when I was born. Yeah, I get, like, it. I get it, I get it. I was an uncle when I was born. My uh... aunt, like, my cousins are like 25 years older. No, than my me. wife is. My wife is the same. <laughs> it's hard so, to remember. Yeah. So we, um, so she told me she's like Milton, you're opening this place, you got to do Queen Amon, because I drive all the way across the city. She lives in Philadelphia. I drive all the way across the city to get this Queen Amon. You know. So what is deals. what is the Queen Amon? I'm so sorry. It, uh, it, no, it's okay. It's a uh, it's pastry. It's basically like croissant dough yeah right yeah it's like a bread no it's more like a bread dough so not a lot of sugar inside of it and then you laminate it so you know you put the butter in the center and then you fold it and roll it out and fold it and roll it out and then on the last times you fold it and roll out 
you sprinkle it really, really heavily with salt and sugar. And then you fold it. And then you roll it out thin. And then you sprinkle it with salt and sugar again, just a little bit of salt, and then fold it again. And then roll it out, and then cut into whatever shape. Shape it how you want. We baked ours in rings that were lined with butter and sugar. So oh, I know what it is now. The caramelizes really deep. The bottom caramelizes really deep, and the top gets this like this crown. Oh, I know exactly what it is now. Yeah, yeah it's butter cake. It's, I think it's old. I think it's old uh, language from I want to say Normandy, uh, Brit, Brit, Brittany. It's the old Britannic language. Okay. In France, it means butter cake. Okay. Something like cake butter, butter cake, cake butter, something like that. Yeah. And uh, that's so sick. That was one of my. I was really proud of that because nobody, everybody's doing croissants. Everybody doing this. Everybody, do, you know, it's easy to copy, and then to come out with something like that was, I think, really, re, really cool. Like, you know, so many times you feel like you can put it in a positive way. I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before me, yeah. and that's how I can achieve greatness. You know, just that. But also, another part is like you can feel like you're just copying everybody else. Yeah. Just doing the same stuff. And and I think it's so true, right? Because I, it's just something simple, like a good croissant. Like it's super hard to get one in the city. Yeah. And it's yep. like, and it's like, there's, and I mean, maybe I, I, I don't want to sound like a snob here, but a little bit I am. So, you know, yeah. I want, <laughs> just embrace it. Just whatever. And I, and I remember going to so many of these awesome coffee places. And I think kind of what was surprising with, with uh, Anderson and Mayad, and also, you know, there's some other really good, Alice is doing a good job there. I'm and there's some other, some other great places that are just yeah. kind of stepping it up now. And Hard has always been kind of, you know, doing a really good job with that. I think what's really nice now is that there's no excuse for you not to have like really good products because, you know, they're here, they're here and they're and they're spread out. There's all over the city. And I think there's just like a really, really awesome time to kind of, you know, be eating in Copenhagen. It's only getting better and better and better. And even even in the last couple of years that I've been visiting and I moved here like se end of 17, 18 properly. And I think even in those couple of years times, just like so much has happened. And I think it's just uh, goes to show that the city isn't slowing down. Right. So it's, it's exciting. And I really love my, you know, on the other end there, Queen of so fancy. So this, so that, so refined. But the other end is my donuts, man. I was oh, so proud of my donuts. I'm happy I you brought your donuts up because, because. I was so proud of those donuts. Because man. I worked so hard on that recipe and. Yeah. And like, and trying to like do all the. And like combining Danish classics and the donuts together, like Kartoffelke and uh, Kai K, you know, we did a couple specials like that. And those were like my proudest moments, you know, because you got such a great response from Danes. And I think we, we started that around the same time as another mass produced company was coming in here in Copenhagen. Uh, and I really feel like we we like helped establish that trend of people doing. I see donuts now at like Laukehusel now. Oh wow! I yeah, and I had never seen them before at a bakery like that. Of course, there's Dunkin'. Of course, there's the you know those sorts of places, and then there's another spot that comes in that just puts candy on top of donuts. But this one, uh, you know, but I'd never seen them in a high-end bakery, and I was just so excited. That was like one of my first great launches where i could see a difference in the bottom line on the day that we served them or you know a difference in i felt like a smart businessman i felt like somebody who invented something and people came 
You know what yeah. I mean? Or, you know, like I made something and people came. I will tweak the recipe so that they'd be good all day. You know, you fry them as much as you can all day, but at a certain point, you got to stop frying. And then my shelf life, they tasted so good. And, uh, you know, it just, it was just the donuts. I was just so proud of those things and all the flavors that we made. And, yeah, like I said, car- like the Cartoffle K was uh, a fantastic, you know, that's a Danish classic. And no. so to have Danes, I think that's like my most liked photo on Instagram. I think a, so. Okay, you know what I mean? Or my Kai K donut, you know, we didn't do green food coloring. We did, uh, anybody doesn't know Kai K, it's like a Kermit the Frog for Denmark. And it's a terrible bakery item that nobody buys. I think most Danes you talk to, like they know it, but they've never bought one. It's like a kid's thing. You know, it wasn't flavored with, there's marzipan on top, like a little marzipan thing to make it look like a frog. Ours was flavored with green tea, not with green food coloring. You know, the best, you know, the delicious raspberry jam made for, you know, just eyes were caramelized macadamia nuts. You know, it just, everything about those donuts, I just poured my, I poured everything to something so simple and so classic as a donut. And people responded. I mean, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of that I've made in the last, because that recipe is mine. Everything about that recipe is mine. And I, I, I didn't take from anyone else it just is it always it always mine you know a lot of times you take a recipe you tweak it you make it you know you add this remix yeah Yeah, exactly but this was not this was just me putting the record you know just playing it and i i'm so proud of those things and i actually gotta make those for the kids i haven't made those yet i'm just being at home you know i've just been at home for and and months, it, I'll I'll, I'll bike by and take a few if there's some extra I'll left do, over. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the little out the window thing. Yeah. For you, you know what I mean? Any anytime. I don't even know where you live. I don't care. I'll bike wherever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> let's just put the donut signal up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but is... I'm happy you brought up the donuts because uh, I think uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, Crystal Pixie, she's uh, also. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, she's. Uh, I mean, she's a big fan. She's going to be on the show uh, at some point as well. Um, and she loves those donuts. And actually, it was her who kind of started sharing them every time they were on. And I said, yes. "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know that Hart was doing donuts." I was like, "I'm gonna run, <laughs> stand in line She's for the donuts." She's great. She's the best. We do sit there, we stand there and talk about recipes and talk about donuts because she told me she loved them. I'd done them once at Anderson Maillard, but a totally different recipe uh, at Anderson Maillard for. Um, and uh, for like a pop-up just for uh, oh it's when we were changing locations and i didn't have a proofer and i needed to do something really easily that i could do without you know stressing myself while we were moving the bakery and everything and so she came by and had them there i think that was her first time she probably saw them go up on instagram and she's such a donut fiend oh yeah there right away and you know that's how we started our relationship she's great i want to be on tv too with her man i want to do a donut thing uh, with her on tv i that's mean yeah, I want to get on TV. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. We need, we need cooking with Milton, you know. I'm, hey, just, just I mean, you've already been on Vice on your YouTube and stuff, right? So, I yeah, mean, you're yeah, kind of. Gotta, just got to get a, get that power going. I need, uh, I, you know, there'll never be another Anthony Bourdain, but damn it, we can try to make one. Damn, I mean, I think, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, he was, he was special. I mean, yeah, he got. I mean, he got me into to sort of this world, and I'm sure he did so many other people, right? I think, exactly I think, right. I. It's a pity that, I mean, it's just like there's some people you're like you wish you'd sort of just met and had a drink with. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, I never, I never got to meet him, unfortunately. And um, 
but I've heard all the stories from all the people and I think everyone's, you know, just says he was a genuine guy. Like, I think that's super important. Every man, you know, yeah. because, well, um, but hey, Milton, I, I really appreciate you being super open and candid with everything. I think it's, uh, you know, we're, we're almost an hour and a half and time seems to have flown by. So that's what happens with me. I just talk. No, but I think, I think that's really good. And I, I mean, it's just, it's for me, just sets it up super nicely. I hope, I hope we do this again in person. Maybe, maybe yeah. with, maybe with Kestel, we'll, we'll have a donut uh, yeah, special episode special. That'd be sick. Yeah, live and, and you guys better make some for me to try because there's no point <laughs> oh, show pictures exactly oh let's talk what? about the bloody <laughs> really good you should have been there you should have had this <laughs> thanks guys um no but i think it'd, it'd be fun and, and the whole concept with the show originally was supposed to be that um I mean, everyone knows I love Prologue, the coffee place. Uh, if you, if oh, you, yeah. I'm a big Prologue fan. Um, so, uh, you know, I sort of have their coffee, have some nice natural wine, have some, you know, whiskey, just sitting there and then get friends over and like guests and just sort of just talk and just go with whichever beverage people feel like. And the whole idea is kind of not to be this, right? But this is unfortunately what we have to do for now. And that's, it's yeah. working out okay. But I just can't wait for things to open up, open up a bit more, and then we can, you know, sort of just do it in person more. But yeah. Oh man, you get some whiskey in me, I'll start telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the show. It's like, you know, like I mean, it's it's two hours now. Uh, well, that's what the invite sends out to most people. But I think the idea is just like, you know, after an hour, people are warmed up, and then let's get some whiskey and let's yeah, start talking about some real yeah. stuff. So. Absolutely, I yeah. think you know, and and I'm I'm totally down with that. I, I, and I just want to, uh, you know, it's totally real now as well, you know. No, and, you and are, and I think that's why. And, and it's just really nice to get to share and have people know a little bit more about me. Because my, my childhood was fantastic, man. I can't tell you enough. It was fantastic. And that just led, to, I feel like I had a storybook childhood. Yeah. And that just led to all, everything that, I just feel like I've had a really, I mean, sometimes I, you know that uh, you know that many worlds uh, theory of like uh, quantum physics, yep. you know, and I just, and you have these points and this and that. You know, sometimes it just is working out too good uh, that I just feel like I'm in this like alternate parallel universe where everything's going right. You mm. know, for at least for right now, I just have a a fantastic family. Uh, my wife and I have not killed each other over this lockdown. You know, yeah. I feel like our, well, our our relationship is stronger coming out of this. And there. and she's working from home right now in the other room. I'm getting ready to sit down here and play Assassin's Creed in a minute because that's my job now. <laughs> you know, the laundry's, in the, laundry's in, the, in the thing. The, 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 the dishes are done. And, uh, you know, I got, a, some, I got some raids to do in Valhalla. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. And, you know, and we're just having a, we've just had a great time. This family has come out stronger on the other end. You know, I left, I left heart, getting ready to start a restaurant a job, getting ready to buckle down, say, this is going to be super tough. Here we go. Kids get ready. You know, daddy's going to be gone a little bit. We'll get back. And then we shut down and I have three months off, yeah. you know, and it's just, I just uh, can't imagine it being any better. I got to, got to pinch myself right now and I will sit down and talk to you anytime. Thanks, man. I really, I really appreciate um, all of it, and I think it's taken some time, but it's been super worth it. And I think, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you just sort of see people, right? Like, and I think I, I, I the first person from the food industry that I met in Copenhagen was Malcolm Livingston. Oh uh, yeah, the yeah, second, yeah. another. We worked, we worked together per se. Oh, cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah, for like a long time. Yeah, and 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 I remember sort of. Um, 
when I was, I think the first time I visited Copenhagen, I just was like, okay, you know, I know, of course, of, of you know, Noma. So I was just like, let's see on their Instagram or Twitter who's putting something up. And Renee put up this Periscope when Periscope was around, um, asking like a bunch of the bunch of the chefs, like, oh, you know, where's a good place to go? And and I uh, said, hey, where do you like Malcolm? I'm like, oh, Democratic has the best croissant. Okay, cool. You know, best croissant in Denmark. I said, yeah. so I just I I was in town for a day, uh, two days. Uh, visiting my then my girlfriend now wife and i walk into democratic and malcolm's sitting there with his uh, with his wife uh, and and i was like uh i have to go up to you to him and say like hey i'm here because of you uh, and you're here yeah and you're here and, and it was just like and 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 he was he i mean he's such a nice guy and super down yeah. to earth and super friendly we just we just kept in touch uh you know and and now ghetto gastro is killing it and he's i mean he's you know uh, re- redefining baby food and doing everything else you know being oh, on you know, air jordan campaigns he's like i mean and what they're doing is super cool and i think I, I'm, I'm gonna try to get him on as well if possible and i think what's what's really fun is that you know from that first point to now sort of you know having some more friends in the industry i think for me being not a danish guy and sort of being kind of outgoing and being very you know friendly and open-minded i think that that doesn't really fit well with the Danish culture, right? <laughs> just, uh, and, and, well, it does if you get some whiskey in it. Yeah, exactly, time. exactly. Right after midnight, <laughs> a couple of drinks, yeah. right? Um, and and outgoing people in the world. Yeah, totally. And I think and I think the food industry just kind of I just sort of fell in love with it here because the people were just super open and very friendly. And 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 you know I think I, I'm from the tech industry and I, and, I, and I think now I'm kind of looking to blend those worlds together in my next project, which yeah. we're not worth talking about right now because it's not happening. But, you know, when it does, we'll talk about it. I, th- get there. I think what's fun is like, I just I just, just want to make sure, you know, I I sort of make some more friends in the industry because I think it's just like a really, people are just honest because you're working with your hands all day. You're exhausted. There's very little space for bullshit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there is, I'm sure there is, right? And, and I'm sure there's enough bullshit to go around, but but not much, though. <laughs> not much. <laughs> but 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 i think when 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 we, when i had matt uh and and, and christian and, and eric uh from the bowline crew on yeah i think matt and christian both said something which was pretty important they were like you know kind of even though it's kind of gone away from the early days of restaurant industry in copenhagen where everyone was a family it's still very familiar like it's still a very family feeling everyone's kind of knows each other no one talks bad about the other places too much uh, because you know each other and it's like you know the guests are going to go and when tourists start coming back they're all going to go to the other places like it's it's going to be you know maybe they come for they're noma go but everywhere. yeah they're going to go everywhere maybe they come for noma or for kong hens or or for a mass or for you know any of these awesome places but they're also going to want to go to the bakeries they're also going to go to the cafes they're also want to maybe go for another dinner or lunch somewhere right so yeah. it's it's all kind of supporting each other and i think that's what i love about it and i think it's uh it's super good to have you on and i can't wait to can't wait to do the donut episode with 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 Crystal Pixie it's soon. It. Yeah, it. yeah. That's it. Put it on the calendar. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna text her and be like, "Hey, Crystal, I don't know if you if you, I didn't, I didn't ask you, but uh, me and me and Milton decided we're gonna do this. We already committed you to this. We're doing this. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's it. we'll do it. I'm totally down. Yeah, awesome. It, you know, that's it. Awesome. Cool, man. Thanks a lot, Milton. I'll uh, I'll link your Instagram below and anything else you want to link. Uh, I th- I think there's a really cool video that's on your LinkedIn bio on Instagram, which I saw, which was really special. And that also kind of primed me up for some of the questions. So it's really cool. Um, 
awesome project you did that a couple of years ago now but it's still really fun to watch yeah we went to the yeah we went to the uh, uh we got accepted to the tribeca film festival with that that's we won big james beard uh james beard uh best uh documentary that year uh I dude mean, james beard award i mean that's so, so cool sick, so. Yeah. and it's uh and that gives you a little bit more uh that film which is called that's my jazz gives you a little bit more perspective on me as and where i came from so yeah, a little yeah. bit more on today yeah cool awesome um yeah thanks so much and yeah go go chiefs right so that's that's how we that's how we end it (laughs) thanks so much milton take care